You gotta understand something here. This music is the glue of the world. It holds it all together. Without this, life would be meaningless. so crazy about it's just music there's nothing a critic loves more than a best of list but 12 months is such a long time to wait i'm greg cott and i'm jim DeRogatis. we submit our favorite records to their toughest test yet months of listening it's the best albums of the year so far Plus, we have the debut album from Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment with Chance the Rapper. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. This is Sound Opinions, Jim, and later on in the show, we are going to review the new album, not by Chance the Rapper. That's what everybody was waiting for, but by Chance the Rapper's best friend, Donnie Trumpet. That is going to be later on in the show. We'll dive into surf later, Greg, like you said, but first we have some music news. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and today our guest is Spotify music personalization agent Ajay Kalia. Ajay recently conducted a study with Spotify users that was shared all throughout the media. He found that as individuals age, they listen to less and less popular music. In fact, by age 33, most adults have stopped listening to both popular and new music altogether. Greg, we provide a public service with this show, especially these best of shows, to counteract that. Absolutely true, Jim. And as critics and frequent new music listeners, this study really piqued our curiosity. We want to speak to Ajay about taste freezes, the nostalgic habits of Spotify users, and the relationship between age and the consumption of popular music. Ajay, welcome to Sound Opinions. Uh, Good to be here. Thanks for having me. What did you find about the connection between age and people's ability to comprehend and enjoy new music? So what we were looking at was this conventional wisdom that says that as people get older, they kind of age out of popular music. You know, to put it the way I think about it, at a certain age, I kind of stopped knowing who the bands on Saturday Night Live were each week. And this is sort of something that everybody believes to be true and is sort of accepted. And our questions were, is this really true, given everything we can see about people's activity on Spotify? And if it is true, when does it begin to happen? How does it impact individual listeners? And what does that tell us? So we found a couple of things. First thing we did was very simply look at people age by age based on their registration data, which we know from signing up for the service, and the average amount of very popular music they were listening to. So this is top 40, mainstream, you know, really the top of the charts. And what we saw is that as people get older, on average, they really do listen to a smaller and smaller amount of that music. So when people are in their teens, it's almost exclusively made up of streaming what you'd consider to be kind of the world's hottest, most popular artists. Through their 20s, on average, people tend to listen to less and less and less. And this effect gets pretty pronounced until about your mid-30s, at which point it levels off. So... Somebody who's 15 versus 25, the 25-year-old is listening to a lot less popular music. Somebody who's 35 versus 45, it's about the same. So in the mid-20s, people's taste is getting better, right? And they're getting more adventurous. 
whereas by the late 30s, people are just tuning out? Well, I think uh, it's always it's always careful to slap qualifiers like better on that. But I We're will... rock critics. We're not research scientists. So. <laughs> They're going to stop listening to Taylor Swift and listen instead to something good. Yeah, we, we see these two effects happening that are causing this. The first is that, you know, when people get older, they discover new kinds of music that aren't just pop FM styles of music. So as you get more friends, as you discover more of a music scene, as you just get older, you discover there's more music out there, which isn't as popular, but is really meaningful to you. That's effect number one. Effect number two is kind of interesting. You tend to see people returning to the music that was really popular when they were growing up. And they have these strong attachments, whether emotional or, you know, just something that was really meaningful to you at the time. You might come back and stream that again. The thing is, over time, that music has fallen out of the mainstream. And so these two effects kind of come together, both the discovery and the adventurous side of listeners, as well as the fact that, to some extent, a lot of your tastes are set from when you were young, and you're always going to feel some level of affection for that kind of music in a way you may not feel for new music when you're in your 30s and 40s. So so if I can ask you to think not as a numbers cruncher for a minute, but as a sociologist, what is it about the song you hear at 14, 15, 16 that you think sticks with people throughout their entire life? The music that people listen to when they're in their teens coincides with the time in their life when your emotions are very volatile. You're having these new experiences. And, you know, for lack of a better word, you just you feel things more strongly. And so a breakup song that you hear when you're 16 is going to be so impactful on you, and you're going to have such strong emotions for it. When you're 32, you know, 16 years later, it seems really hard, I don't know for you, but for me, just to tap into those same emotions. So the, the songs that I think of when I was you know, in high school, when I broke up with my first girlfriend, it's very hard to tap into that same raw energy as you get older, as you have more experiences. It is unique in music, though, isn't it, Ajay? Because, you know, people who love food, people who love film, people who love theater, never walk around saying, I'm 60 years old now, and everything was better back in the day. You know, for whatever reason, music is really tied to people's identity, in a way that isn't necessarily as true in other forms of media. So people have this association. People will say, oh, I never listened to pop music or I never listened to Miley Cyrus. And they don't actually mean the artist Miley Cyrus. They mean all the different parts of the culture that bubble up around that term, and they're rejecting their association with it. Or in other cases, they might identify really strongly with a particular artist or a particular kind of kind of music, not just because they love the music, but because of what that signals about them as a person. Ajay, this study only looked at Spotify and streaming. If you would have had data from downloads, say from the iTunes store, and put that side-by-side with Spotify, do you think the results would have been different? Is this really just a function of how streaming is working, or is this music in general? So, on the one hand, you know, adding in sources like what you see through iTunes, what you see through Pandora would give us a more comprehensive view of somebody. But with streaming, there's no cost to putting on a throwback Thursday playlist from, you know, the mid-90s when somebody was growing up and reliving that that affection. And that gets captured in in a way that you don't see when there is a cost to listening to a song or not being able to choose what particular song you see. Now, Spotify also gives you the option to listen to new and challenging music for free. So are we at the end of the era where Frozen or Taylor Swift dominates the charts for a year? 
If Spotify playlists keep recommending unknown artists, could the unknowns become the next Beatles? We might very well be. I mean, it's hard for me to know how things are going to play out, but we are beginning to see these, these very interesting patterns in how users consume music when you can listen to anything you want. So traditionally, even the early Spotify users, they approach this idea of streaming as sort of rebuilding your collection, the way you built a collection from on vinyl and then tapes and then CDs and then downloads. And then something sort of changed in the past few years. We saw a lot of users who were listening to music in ways that didn't make any sense in terms of genres, for instance. They might put together a playlist for running or a playlist for waking up in the morning and sipping your coffee or a playlist for your kids where the genres and the artists didn't necessarily tie together or have any meaning in the traditional sense. It wasn't a full album. It wasn't even a group of related artists. It was anything that was a good fit for that mood. And this evolved almost into a new kind of genre. And as that effect happens and begins to happen more and more and more through services like Spotify, you begin to reach a point where you wonder if these old concepts of a full album or a full or a, a cohesive genre musically still make sense. All right. That's the future Greg and I are waiting for. We've been talking to Ajay Kalia of Spotify with this fascinating study. Thanks for coming on the show, Ajay. Thanks for having me. It's that time of year again, Jim. I love the sound of a best of list. Even though it's only halfway through the year 2015, we're going to go to the halfway mark and say, here's here's what we love so far. So you can as, catch up. As our best albums of the year so far. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we've got a huge list of albums, but we winnowed them down to our top five for the purposes of this show. So, Jim, you're going to start. You're going to give us the number five album on your mid-year list. What's it going to be? I am, Greg. Now, our producer, Jason Saldana, has noted that I am a, quote, wire fanboy. This makes sense, because up there in my personal pantheon, Brian Eno, Velvet Underground, and Wire. And Wire splits the difference between the Velvets and Brian Eno. This is smart art punk that dates back to the original punk explosion in London in the mid-'70s. Three classic albums, Pink Flag, Chairs Missing, and 154, 77, 78, 79. Wire has been many different bands in the years since. They've taken sabbaticals, they've reformed, they've broken up, they've lost one original member, guitarist Bruce Gilbert, but they soldier on. There are many different Wires to talk about. So this is album number 14 for Wire. You might think that this being self-titled, Wire by Wire, means something, but that would be way too obvious. I think what they're doing here is going back to their much more melodic side after several recent years uh, and albums of intense 
punk rock noise. But this is the melodic side of Wire. It recalls that last album before they first broke up, 154, or if you want a more recent touchstone, Red Bark Tree in 2010. But Wire is never consistent or predictable. What makes this band is atmosphere. You feel like you're somewhere else whenever they're playing, and those wonderful, obtuse, beat-poetic lyrics, sung by Colin Newman, but written by bassist Graham Lewis. I think you'll hear all of that in a nice, short, sharp explosion of a song called Shifting. Here is Shifting by Wire on Sound Opinions. I didn't see it coming There was something in the air But I failed to read the signs I gave you one more chance I gave you one more chance And you knew it was over I could see it in I gave you one more chance Shifting your position On a mission telling lies Didn't see the bigger picture Failed to read between the lines Your agenda Shifting by Wire from the album Wire, number five on my top five so far of the year. Greg, what do you got? Jim, you don't have to be a fanboy to like that Wire album. It's, uh, it's pretty good for just about anybody who appreciates guitar-based rock and roll. I'm going to go to a new artist for my number five album of the year so far. It is a relatively new artist named Torres, otherwise known as Mackenzie Scott, a 25-year-old artist originally from Georgia, now living in New York. Her second album is called Sprinter. I happened to see her at South by Southwest, really love the new songs that she debuted there, and the new album lives up to what I saw on stage a few months ago in Texas. This is the follow-up to an acclaimed self-titled debut a few years ago that got her a lot of attention, including from producer Rob Ellis, who is the uh, longtime drummer with P.J. Harvey and has worked with P.J. Harvey for a number of years. He ended up producing this second Torres album, and he brought in a bunch of ringers to play on it. But at the core of this album is Torres's voice, guitar playing, and songwriting. These are volcanic songs. Big topics, her Christian upbringing in the Bible Belt, her adoption, her fear of death and mortality, 
very withering in their honesty. They feel like these are topics that have been suppressed by her, like she's finally getting things off her chest. You hear that intensity and honesty in the songs. Here's the title track from the new album, Sprinter, from Torres, one of my favorite albums of the year so far on Sound Opinions. That is Torres with Sprinter, the title track from her new album, one of my favorites of the year so far. She's going to be joining us on Sound Opinions in a live performance later on this summer. Greg and I also want to hear what's topping your lists at this midway point halfway through the year. Share your favorite record so far at 888-859-1800. We'll continue our countdown after a quick break on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And later, we review the debut album from Chance the Rapper and Donnie Trumpet, Surf.
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Jim DeRogatis. My partner is Greg Cott. And this is our second favorite show of the year, the mid-year best of. We are giving our top five of the year so far. It's second only, of course, to the year-end best of, Greg, mm-hmm. right? We have to breathe once in a while so people can catch up with all this new music That's right. we want them to love and enjoy. We heard a little bit of Bully coming in. Bully is a band that has just released its debut album, feels like and we'll also have them as a guest on sound opinions later in the summer uh this is a group led by a young woman alicia bonagno and you were talking about torres and that kind of rigid upbringing she had and how her music is a rebellion against that it's a very similar situation for alicia there is anger in this music but there is also a significant melody and a lot of humor it's self-empowering but it's never strident people have been saying this sounds like it's 1993 again and there is a lot of that 90s influence of the alternative era in that there's a lot of crunch but it's very, very clean. Bonagno is a recording engineer, which is rare among young women in music. She's done live sound. She's interned at Steve Albini's Electrical Audio, and this record sounds exquisite, but that's not enough. If there weren't great songs here and this incredible strength of personality, it wouldn't be nearly as powerful as it is. Listen to this tune, I Remember. She says it's about her first relationship, but I think it could almost be a harrowing account of a date rape. And there are these novelistic details about bedsheets and and images uh, she has of her own body. It's an amazing song. I Remember by Bully from Feels Like on Sound Opinions. That is I Remember from Bully, Jim DeRogatis' number three album of the year. That's Feels Like. The, the band is Bully. 
Jim, you are a much bigger fan of this band than I am. I really like her a lot. I'm not so sold on the band yet. We'll see what they do on album number two, but that's that one in particular is not doing it for me. Well, it's because I have better taste than you. <laughs> that well, goes without saying. I'll tell you what great taste is. This Van Hunt record, you know, people talk about the Kendrick Lamar record, the D'Angelo record from the last few months is really setting the world on its ear in terms of the way they're incorporating the history of African-American music and recontextualizing it for a new era. I think Van Hunt is doing exactly the same sort of thing with his music. His 2011 indie release, What Were You Hoping For?, touched everything from country to hard rock. This is a slightly more narrowly focused record in terms of uh, sound. It's much more into the soul funk pocket. But it's it's trippy. It's psychedelic. You know, there's there's a dance groove to it, but it's more subtle. And I really love that vibe. He's using he's singing in falsetto a lot more on this record. There's a delicate, fleeting, agile, slippery quality to a lot of the music. It really sounds cool. It really sounds like the back room, some smoke-filled back room in an alleyway, and all sorts of activities are going on in there. And he's, he's kind of describing these street life scenes throughout the record. You know, cinematic, that's a word that gets overused a lot when we describe music that has this wide scope. But I think it really applies to the fun rises, the fun also sets. Here's an, an example of it. It's a track called Puddin'. You know, everything from jazzy guitar to those layered call-and-response vocals to those sci-fi keyboards, it's all being incorporated here into a really catchy track from Van Hunt on Sound Opinions. Country girl, name of Pearl, came around, took off the shirt, shut the skirt in my mouth, I made a soft murmur and shout, when I felt the sweet Georgia brown, and I don't want nothing in my pudding, but the chocolate, we danced to go-go, we drank cocoa from Manila, her sister cherry and strawberry and vanilla, Took me into the hills and tried to beg, borrow, and steal my love. But I don't want nothing in my butt but the chocolate. Tell me about it. Hey, you don't want nothing in his butt but the chocolate. I don't want nothing but That touches with her brushes turned to blood. And I like my movie stars just like my liquor. Down. Hey, I don't want nothing in my pudding but the chocolate.
Van Hunt with the album The Fun Rises. The Fun also sets one of my top albums of the year so far. We might also add that Jim uh, Vernon Reed, the great guitar player from Living Color, was listening to the show the other day and tweeted about this album in particular, seconding the vote, thirding the vote, I guess. You know, Mighty impressive. We love this record as well. What's your next choice? Greg, I'm going to play a band that we have not yet played on Sound Opinions for this new album. It's called High Honey. It's the third record by Low Cut Connie. I am in love with this group. I think I touched on them a while back as a buried treasure. But this album is just phenomenal. This is a band led by a keyboard player, and I mean Jerry Lee Lewis piano, (laughs) and his best buddy, a drummer. Quartet from Philadelphia, the influences are really unique on the current rock landscape. We're talking real 50s rock and roll. Like I said, that Jerry Lee Lewis influence. We're talking that early 60s garage rock, Lenny K, Nuggets, but towards the R&B tip of it, you know what I mean? And we're talking classic R&B like Ike and Tina Turner and replacements at their raunchiest in the early days when Bob Stinson was in the band and it was just a shambolic mess. In these guys' world, it is last call at 4 a.m., the only people still in the bar are the real reprobates. Like I said, Ike and, and, and Tina are on the jukebox. It's just such a vibe. Listen to this song, Danny's Out of Money. It's about a guy in a band who is so committed to making music that he's going to sell his kidney if they don't get a record <laughs> oh, deal by the end of the month. And that is what these guys are like, right? They're, they're the real deal. This is, this is a real ale band, as, as Robin Hitchcock would say. This is uh, Danny's Out of Money by Low Cut Connie from the album High Honey on Sound Opinions. Out of Money by Low Cut Connie from High Honey. 
I love this record, Greg. I might even give a kidney to play it one more time. I don't know if I'd give a kidney for it, Jim, but I do like that record a lot. Those guys are just, you know, they're the essence of what rock and roll should be, right? I mean, there's no pretense about them. Sometimes you play a record and you say, why should I be listening to anything else? (laughs) They are lifers. They are true lifers. We'll see if my next artist is, is a lifer, but what a promising start he has put into his career. I'm talking about Shamir, a.k.a. Shamir Bailey. 20 years old, out of Vegas, Las Vegas. Not the Vegas with the glitz and the uh, the glamour, but the uh, North Vegas, you know, kind of the outsider part of town. And that's where he grew up. This is basically a concept album, Ratchet, that he has created for his full-length debut. When you hear his voice, you'll, you'll know what I'm talking about when I describe him as an outsider figure. With his high voice, he was often mistaken for a girl while growing up. He's kind of got the delicate features. And there's a, an element of gender fluidity about the way he sings, the way he acts, the way he moves, the way he approaches music. And there's also a musical fluidity as well. He's blending a lot of different genres, dance and electronic music, rap, soul, more than a hint of uh, avant-garde in there as well, but great hooky songs at the core, bending a lot of genres in a way that reminds me of a Chicago house house artist like Green Velvet back in the early 90s, and more recently, the way Frank Ocean was sort of bending some of the rules of R&B on Channel Orange a couple of years ago. I think this record is right in that category, for me anyway. This is Shamir with uh, the song called In For The Kill. The new album is Ratchet. It's number three on my mid-year list so far. That was Shamir with In For The Kill. The new album is Ratchet, number three on my mid-year list. Yeah, it's in my top ten as well, Greg. Good call. To see all of our mid-year picks, again, go to soundopinions.org. You can also listen to our archive shows and see what topped our lists in years past. Coming up, our final picks for the best of 2015 so far. That's in a minute on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX. And when I do, I'm 
Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRogatis, and we're running down our top albums of the year so far. We're getting close. We're getting to that number one pick of the year, 2015, the first six months anyway. Jim, what's your top pick of the year so far? Greg, my album of the year absolutely is the first full album from Courtney Barnett, a young singer, songwriter, rock and roller out of Australia. Sometimes I sit and think, and sometimes I just sit. Now, we talked about her as one of the runaway stars of South by Southwest. We reviewed the album when it came out. You know how you know you got a great album? When there's still six songs that we haven't played on the show, even though we've, <laughs> we've spotlighted her several times, and you're just as eager to play each of those six songs. There's humor. There's power. There's anger, much like I was saying with Bully. But there is a level of sophistication as well in the lyric writing. This song, nobody really cares if you don't go to the party. I mean, who among us hasn't felt that way, you know? (laughs) You're pushing yourself to go out, and you're under delusions that it matters to anybody. And you're trying to have this conversation with yourself. I think that Barnett is great at capturing little moments like that. Her melodies are indelible. I've had, you know, six or seven experiences since we started talking about this record of people stopping me on the street, in the club, in my band's rehearsal space, at a record store saying, wow, thanks for turning me on to that record. It absolutely is a keeper. So if you haven't heard it yet, go out and get it now. Sometimes I sit and think, and sometimes I just sit. The song is Nobody Really Cares If You Don't Go to the Party by Courtney Barnett on Sound Opinions.
Greg, nobody really cares if you don't go to the party, says Courtney <laughs> Barnett. The album is my number one of the year so far. Sometimes I sit and think, and sometimes I just sit. I am eager to hear your number one album of 2015 well, so far. I can relate to uh, what Courtney Barnett is saying there. In fact, that album is so good. We we are experiencing an overflow of riches in the first half of this year, Jim. Yeah. I mean, some really great records. And that Courtney Barnett record is fantastic. In fact, I had an extremely difficult time deciding what was going to be number one. Was it, was it the Courtney Barnett or the one that I ended up choosing? It's basically a coin flip. These are both great records. You need to get the Courtney Barnett and you need to get my number one, Kendrick Lamar, to Pimp a Butterfly. This is a record that is confounding a lot of people, especially those who really appreciated his 2012 debut, Good Kid, Mad City. That had a sort of a nostalgic glow to it about growing up in Compton. Yes, there are a lot of gangs running around, but there was also, you know, a family life. There was also a sense of community that was that was corrupt, but also had a nurturing sense about it as well. He didn't really see the outside world in that record. Well, the thing about To Pimp a Butterfly is that kid growing up and seeing the outside world and hoping for a better place, a chance, an opportunity to make his way in the world, and really seeing that the outside world is just a, another version of the prison he just left in some ways. It's a, a sense of... What what kind of hope is there for a person like me? And and seeing this madness that's going on in the planet around him. So this is a wider scope record in in many ways, not only from a from a lyrical and social standpoint, but also from a musical one as well. What I love about this record is he's bringing in a couple of centuries worth of music. He's bringing in live musicians from the world of jazz. He's bringing in cutting-edge producers. He's not working with the same old, same old uh, producers or musicians on this record. He's trying to create this incredibly diverse, challenging world that goes from avant-garde music to straight-up hip-hop to old-school funk and soul and everything in between. Black history and black music. I think that's essentially what this record is. He says, I want people to be uh, looking at this record in classrooms. I want them to be studying this record in that way. And don't make mistake that for being boring and academic, but it is that kind of rich record that rewards multiple listens. I've gone through it probably 20, 25 times, and I still am finding new things about it. To Pimp a Butterfly. Here's a track from it, How Much a Dollar Cost, from Kendrick Lamar on Sound Opinions. really cost the question is detrimental paralyzing my thoughts parasites in my stomach keep me with a gut feeling y'all gotta see how i'm chilling once i park this luxury car hopping out feeling big as mutombo 20 on pump six dirty marcellus called me dumbo 20 years ago came for guilt now i can lend them my era too how to stack these residuals tenfold the liberal concept that men are do 2006 it didn't hear me Indigenous African only spoke Zulu. My American tongue was leery. Walked out the gas station, a homeless man with a semi tan complexion. Asked me for 10 grand, stressing about dry land. Deep water, powder, blue skies that crack open. A piece of crack that he wanted. I knew he was smoking. He begged and pleaded. Asked me to feed him twice. I didn't believe it. Told him, beat it. Contributing money just for his pipe. I couldn't see it. He said, My son, temptation is one thing that I've defeated. Listen to me, I want a single bill from you. Nothing less, nothing more. I told him I didn't have it, then closed my door. Tell me how much a dollar cost. It's more than 
me staring at me, I grabbed my key, staring at me, I started the car, then I tried to leave, but something told me to keep it in park until I could see, the reason why he was mad at a stranger, like I was supposed to save him, like I'm the reason he homeless and asking me for a favor, he's staring at me, his eyes follow me with no laser, he's staring at me, I noticed that his stare is contagious, cause now I'm staring back at him, feeling some type of disrespect, if I could throw a bat at him, he'll be aiming at his neck, I never understood someone begging for goods, asking for a hand, I was taking it if they could, and this particular person just had it down back, staring at me for the longest until he finally asked, have you ever opened up Exodus 14, a humble man is all that we ever need, tell me how much a dollar cost. How Much a Dollar Cost from To Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Greg, it's also in my top five. A lot of agreement here, except for Bully. But we want to hear the listeners' top five lists at the mid-year point. Give us a call, 888-859-1800, and visit soundopinions.org to see our full lists. Say in her voice, in her way, that she love me. With her eyes, with her smile, with her belt, with her hands, with her money. I am the thesis of her prayers. Her nieces and her nephews are just pieces of the layers. Only one she loves as much as me is Jesus Christ and Taylor. I got a feature song singing for my grandma. You sing it too, but your grandma ain't my grandma. You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is a song called Sunday Candy by Donnie Trumpet and The Social Experiment. The debut album is called Surf. It dropped by surprise for free on iTunes on May 28th, Greg, and it's already closing in on a million downloads. Why? Largely because a member of this artistic collective is Chance the Rapper. Chancellor Bennett is the young rap star from Chicago who has two mixtapes to his credit, although I really consider 2013's Acid Rap an album. It was one of our favorite albums of the year. The depth, the musical invention, the poignancy of portraying the violent life on Chicago streets, but also talking about real life, loving watching cartoons and eating his Saturday morning sugary cereal. People have been very eager indeed for the next or the first real album by Chance the Rapper, and people were thinking that this record, Surf, was going to be it. But it's not. This is a collective, a band. Chance's childhood pal, Nico Siegel, is a very talented trumpeter. His nickname is Donnie Trumpet. He is fronting a band or leading a band that includes a talented young drummer, Greg Lanfair Jr., Peter Cottontail, Nate Fox. They have other rappers who are friends besides Chance. And all of these people come together to make a collaborative, collective celebration of artistic community that also has some pretty big-name superstars. But whether you're talking about Chance not commanding the spotlight, just being part of the ensemble, the same is true of Erica Badu, Janelle Monet, Big Sean, Busta Rhymes. This is everybody throwing all of their talents behind an interesting album called Surf, 16 tracks with a lot of talent behind them. Let's play another song from the record. We'll come back and we'll give our reviews. This is Miracle by Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment on Sound Opinions. Sid with the beat. The chair isn't fair what you're sitting right there with your hair in a knot, not a care in the world or a pot for the piss. 
which we share because a pair costs a lot. Not a pair in the world that the world wouldn't miss much as this. And if it isn't the same, then it's apples and lemonade. Can't stand for a minute, made man with an iPod. If I got locked up, would you see me at the end of my sentence? White dot, bipod with what I got, which I got from... Still ain't did shit with the beat. The stare isn't there when you're feeding the therapy and their approval. A shoulder to lean off and when it gets rich, remember ain't cold with the heat on. When the trance with the beat gone. Realizing that you should never speak on things done. People keep it a secret and keep going. Ain't no reason to keep on thinking. There's something deeper that's trying to up under my garden. Trying to break bread, stop begging my pardon. My lad is astray, let's get an apartment with a dog and a song that I wrote you this morning. Uh! If it's a miracle. That is Miracle from the new Donnie Trumpet and the Social Experiment album, Surf. Chance the Rapper, you know, he's the big name, right? But he appears on uh, fewer than half of the tracks on this record. Mm -hmm. But he's a big part of this record. He's a co-producer. He did a lot of the arranging. A lot of the vocal uh, parts are, are arranged by him. But it is about the collective. Donnie Trumpet is a great musician, he is one of the key songwriters on this record, the co-producer. His trumpet is all over it. But again, he's not the focus. It is about this wider community of sounds, musicians, friends, co-producers that they're bringing into this record from all over the world and all over the, the musical spectrum. It's a spectacular sonic event, Jim. That's what I really hear this record as. And you kind of heard it at the, in the opening of that miracle track. The very first sounds you hear on this record are evocative of that surfs up Beach Boys sound of yeah, all things, yeah. you know, or, or, or some old doo-wop record. And then it quickly get, moves into this other area, you know, more funky and jazzy. You hear some of Siegel's Cuban heritage creeping in to some of these songs as well. There's some New Orleans feel to other tracks. There's a, um, a big-time rapper rapping over a harp, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, classical instrumentation, well, layered and, and, strings. Don't forget the church. A lot yeah, of gospel. A lot of gospel, heavy gospel influence, and a very positive, uplifting message, speaking of gospel. You know, basic messages, you know, be yourself and want to be cool, stand up for what you believe in and slip slide, have faith in Sunday candy. These are basic messages. I, I think, if anything, people may miss some of the edginess, some of the introspective tone that Chance had on Acid Rap. But again, it's not his record. It's about this musical community. And on that level, it succeeds. It's a spectacular musical event. It's a buy-it record for me. It's definitely a buy-it record, Greg. I want to put it in context. Uh, Don't short-sell the lyrics. 
you know, in Chicago, our listeners outside of Chicago may not be aware, there's a movie being shot by Spike Lee, or it's about to be shot, called Chirac. And, and that is, you know, comparing the violence on the south and west sides of this city to the violence in Iraq. Uh, the politicians in Chicago are up in arms. How could you do this, Spike Lee? And then he blows their minds by saying, this is going to be a musical comedy. Mm. Well, I think there's a connection here, <laughs> right? No matter how depressed and depressing and violent some neighborhoods are, you were saying this as well uh, earlier with, with Van Hunt and Kendrick Lamar. There is community, there is life, there is faith, there is family. And this is a celebration of all of those things, which are are all part of the African-American experience. I I think it's a positive, uplifting, inspiring, and inspired musical record and lyrical record. It's, It's just brilliant. So two enthusiastic buy-its. What's on the show next week, Greg? Jim, next week we're going to do a tribute to the late, great blues guitarist B.B. King. Sound Opinions is produced by Jason Saldana, Robin Lynn, Evan Chung, and Alex Claiborne. On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Operator. Oh, could you help me place this car? See the number on the matchbook is old and faded. She's living in LA with my best old ex friend Ray. Gosh, she said she knew well and sometimes hated. New messages. Yo, Jim and Greg, this is Julian from outside of Norristown. I've got some bones to pick with you about the episode on Zola Jesus and the other bit at the end about Florence and the Machine. Comparing St. Vincent and Florence and the Machine, saying that it is Disney heroine music. I'm sorry, I, I think I just, I just can't go with you there. I have nothing against Florence and the Machine, but I'm afraid you are completely and utterly wrong. Really a better comparison with Annie Clark's work would be Zola Jesus' work. Kind of both have that weird sort of melding of straightforward sort of pop musicality with elements of virtuosic composition and just utter strangeness and sort of left field bits. And thank you. Have a good evening. Austin Leon from Austin, Texas. I was just calling to contribute to your summer song question. For me, right now, it's major lasers lean on. Um, it's the right balance of pop and, I guess, electronic and fun summer sounds. So, uh, thanks a lot. Love what you guys do. What will we do when we get old? Will we walk down the same road? Will you be there by my side? Standing strong as the waves roll. Hi, Greg. Hi, Jim. This is Patrick calling from Oaxaca, Mexico. 
I just listened to your Spring Reviews show, and three of the four records you reviewed were ones I had been interested in, so thanks. Just to follow up on your Sufjan Stevens review, I think your criticisms of his rhythmic and lyrical abilities have some merit, although I personally am more willing to listen through those to get to the emotional depths. But I am surprised that you didn't mention Sisyphus when you ran down Sufjan's career at the top of the review. This is how I Chicago rapper, bringing things lyrically a little bit back down to earth. So Sufjan's main job in that group is just to bring the beautiful melodies, which he does. They put out their first full-length record last year, and I didn't feel like it got the coverage that it deserved. But it's a great album, and I think your listeners should check it out. So thank you. This right here is the tale of Banks and Connolly, the two greatest outlaws America's ever seen. the ropes down they went and all they found was sheets in the wind oh they were blown in the, the 20th floor smack downtown they changed the clothes from white to no more messages to share your opinions on sound opinions call 888-859-1800 we'll be back next week on sound opinions from wbez chicago and distributed by prx